It be too late to alter course, matey. And there be plundering pirates lurking in every cove. And mark well me words, mateys. Dead men tell no tales. <laughs> the code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis from Journal.com. And I'm Heather Artis from BlackPearlMinute.com. Thanks for joining us for Minute 43 of The Curse of the Black Pearl. You might have to have a little patience with us this week. We've had a couple of family pet emergencies the past couple of weeks, so if you're wondering why some of the episodes are not posting at their usual times, that is the reason. We had a crazy, scary emergency with our dog Banjo the other day. A 60-pound German shorthair, by the way. We took him to Point Pinole Regional Shoreline, which is out in the Bay Area, and as we were starting back our two-mile hike to the car... Banjo collapsed, and he had a grand mal seizure and became unresponsive. It was pretty pretty spooky, actually. And then, plus, being so far away from the car, it was really uh, worrisome. After carrying him for almost half a mile, a couple helped us locate a ranger who was then able to drive us to our car, and then we were able to make it to the vet. Banjo temporarily lost his vision and was discharged this morning. So, although we are waiting on results to see what caused the emergency, he's doing fine now and semi-acting normal, actually, so, yeah. which is pretty good. But we definitely wanted to give a shout out and say thanks to East Bay Regional Park Ranger Lisa and the mystery couple who helped us save Banjo's life. It was definitely very scary and really spooky, but it did have a happy ending. So I think we should just get started. We'll try to get everything posted and not have too much of a delay. But if you do see that, that is because we are a little behind schedule and some things have popped up and we'll try to make that happen. That way we're not falling behind either because that's always a pain in our beep as well. (laughs) In the previous minute, the townspeople of Port Royal ignored the elephant in the room, or should I say, the Will Turner in the street, as they, all 24 of them, managed to go about their important business. You know, those chores that warrant leaving a body in the middle of the thoroughfare, like sweeping. (laughs) Once Will awoke from his dusty slumber, he confronted Commodore Norrington about rescuing Elizabeth. Mulroy and Murtaugh elevate themselves from comedic duo to moving linchpins by reminding the Fort Charles Planning Committee that Jack Sparrow knows about the Black Pearl. Or just mentions it. Their efforts were all but dismissed, but did catch the attention of Will, who managed to end the minute in mid-sentence by saying that's not to Norrington. Minute 43 begins with Will Turner telling Norrington that his actions to save Elizabeth and pursue the Black Pearl are less than adequate by finishing his line, good enough, just as he plunges his hatchet into Norrington's map of the West Indies. And no, Heather, that's not a euphemism either. (laughs) Norrington responds, Mr. Turner, you are not a military man. You are not a sailor. You are a blacksmith. The minute ends with Jack telling Will Turner that it's an island that cannot be found except by those who already know where it is. Will responds, the ship's real enough, as he peers at Captain Jack Sparrow through the bars of the cell. Okay, let's try this one more time. Third time's the charm, so me thinks I'm counting on you, matey. It's Monday, and that means we're starting things off with our pirate word or phrase of the week. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. What do you have for us, Heather? To go on account. To go on account? Yes. A banking thing? (laughs) No. See? (laughs) Where's the death and destruction? Where's the skulls and crossbones? Where's the... (laughs) 
death to you, partner, or whatever you want to say. Well, this just has to do okay. with our week. Okay. If there's a rhyme or a reason behind it, then that's there good. There is. It's okay. a pleasant term used by pirates. To pleasant term? Pleasant. What are we, pirates of the friendlies here? <laughs> yes. We want death and destruction. <laughs> So. Oh, man, we need somebody that's, like, hardcore. We need a real pirate or a biker or somebody that's really just grizzled to help us with this. Where's Gibbs when you need him? You know, I inquired as to what exactly you wanted. You said, it's up to you. I'm just giving you a bad and time. So I'm waiting to hear. Go I... on to account. So, it's a pleasant Thank term you, used by pirates. <laughs> pirates of the Caribbean Minute, brought to you by Wells Fargo and Bank of America. To describe the act of turning pirate. Oh, okay. The basic idea was that a pirate was more freelance and thus was more or less going into business for himself. All right. Going on account. To go on account. To go on account. Same thing. Well, that does have some implications for some things that we are going to talk about probably this week. Later in this week. Exactly. So I think that that... No spoilers. That is okay, maybe. But, you know, seriously, everybody out there, I've been getting the emails by the thousands going... When is there going to be some death and mayhem in the pirate word or phrase of the week? They're oh. saying, "Why we need to tell our boss what to go do with themselves is basically <laughs> what they're saying. <laughs> Maybe we'll have something more exciting next week then. I was trying to play in with what's going on during the week. That's what we you want. Know? That's how we want it. We you want, want some- death and destruction. I could have went the love route. No love route. This is good. The jealousy it route. In, it plays into what we're going to do, so that's fine. So where should we actually then begin our minute conversation then? I'm thinking of like maybe Norrington's classic 18th century classist burn on Will. I was going to say Norrington's speech. A speech? Okay. So you're... Norrington's speech. Is this the same one that I'm... Okay, what's the speech then? The, his whole little thing about Mr. Turner... You're not a military man. So that's the difference between me and you then. You call it a speech. I call it like a a classist burn. Not a classic burn. A classist. Because he's obviously a classist. He's he's like a... Classist. Burn. Yeah. He doesn't like people in a lower class than him. Or at least he's trying to bring that oh, to his attention. So. Yeah. So he's Will definitely... Will is not worthy. So it's a classic classist burn. Yes. Is what it is. It's like the 1980s all over again. Yes. Will is not worthy. We're not worthy. <laughs> so you did go back to the 80s. Or was that, ni- that was no. 90s, actually. Are you sure? I think Will, so. 90s. Wasn't Will and Ted's Excellent Adventure? Oh, you're not, not worthy, worthy is no. How oh. dare you? What is it? Wayne's World. Oh, Wayne's it's the same World. thing. It's the same it's people. It's the same thing. Well, it's the same people. Oh, it's not the same people. Keanu Reeves. Oh. Mike Myers. I don't know what I'm talking about. Dana Carvey. Yeah, you don't. <laughs> She finally admits it. She doesn't know what she's doing. There it goes. I don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) That could be part of, that could go actually into our opener. I don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) I'm Heather. And I'm from I don't know what I'm talking about.com. Don't ever listen to Heather about movies. (laughs) Exactly. Obviously, it's a predecessor to your mama. (laughs) That's, That's what I'm kind of thinking of. It's like, your mama is so dumb, you're going to be a blacksmith when you grow up. That's yeah. basically kind of what I'm taking Norrington to be saying to Will Turner here. Yeah. 
I mean, it doesn't quite have that ring as it probably did in the 1700s, you know, when you call somebody a blacksmith, but <laughs> it's like, really? Okay, that's an honorable trade. I'm making weapons and things. Apparently yeah. to Norrington, that's just not good enough. No, he's not a military man. I mean, he said definitely attempting to put Will into his place. And yep. it's like, you're not a sailor. You're not a military man. You're just a simple blacksmith. Because if he just says it that way, though, you don't really get it. But when you see... The looking on the his look face. on his face when he says yeah, it, yeah, he's it's all that smug. smile and that smirking that yeah. really sells it. Because otherwise, you would just think, okay, he's telling Will that you should get out of here at our planning meeting of how we're going to catch the Black Pearl and retaliate. And so he's like, hey, you're not a sailor, you're not a military man. This isn't a proper venue for you. There's like two parts of how it could be taken. That's how it could be taken as part A. Then there's the part B where he's smirking and is all smug. Which is the burn on Will. Yeah. You're not worthy of Elizabeth. You're not worthy of being here. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Delay reaction. Again, Heather's saying you're not worthy when I would classify it as a hell of a case of I'm better than you syndrome. <laughs> that too. <laughs> but I think he's also jealous of Will. I mean, Norrington sees that Elizabeth and Will have this connection, and it is a connection. Let's not forget that. It's a love connection. Well, let's not forget that this connection started when they were kids, and Norrington was a freaking grown man. <laughs> he's trying to rob the cradle here again. Do I have to come back to some of our early minutes? <laughs> yeah. When there's you a look connection at it, When there. you look at it that way, yeah. There is that connection yeah. there that there's no way that Norrington can compete with that connection, especially... Liz's personality, and we've talked a thousand times about that. We don't want to go over it again. Yeah, because Norrington's got to be at least 10 years older. Will definitely needed to channel some George Costanza for a snappy comeback, and he didn't. He failed that. <laughs> he gets this like sad little puppy look he on did. his face. like He just got beat down. Yeah. I mean, but it was a point well taken by Norrington. They're trying to plan this military response. They have somebody, a blacksmith, coming in and saying, hey, what are you doing? Load up the boats and let's go. But we all know it's not that easy just to do that. I'm going for the rash actions, actually. I'm with Will. I want rash actions. Well, everybody does. Well, not Norrington. I mean, the, the exciting movie. this is not the moment for rash actions. What if the movie just focused on Norrington at this stage? <laughs> <laughs> what if Jack... Okay, then yeah, we can step back. What if Jack... Doesn't progress. What if Mulroy and Murtaugh say, okay, here's the scenario. Mulroy and Murtaugh never bring up the Black Pearl and Jack Sparrow in this meeting. Will comes in, no rash action. He goes, okay, what do I do? Because he doesn't have a ship where he can't do anything. So he goes off. Now we're focused on Norrington and Gillette and <laughs> Governor Swan. It's like three hours, four hours. Pretty soon, we're in 24, 48 hours of them standing over a West Indies map. And they're like, you know, I wish Will Turner hadn't slammed his hatchet into my map. Because maps were hard to come by. You know, these weren't, these weren't just things every day that you had. They were important stuff. They didn't have regular printers that did that kind well, of stuff? Well, they did have printers and stuff that did it. But I'm sure they weren't floating around. Oh. I don't think the average person had maps. And they were pretty special then. Oh, okay. I don't know. I'm just winging it now. <laughs> I didn't look up map making. You know, you should just know automatically what questions I'm going to ask you and be prepared for them. Oh, I should. But, you know, I like old maps and things, but I don't really know how common they were. I just don't think that everybody had. It's kind of like books. Not everybody had a bunch of books, except maybe more aristocratic and wealthy people were able to afford books and stuff. Hmm. Maybe not necessarily Paper in this expensive. time. Not necessarily in this time period, but 
before that, you know, we're yeah. talking earlier in history. Yeah. So se- mid 1700s, yeah, I'm not really up to speed on on how common that stuff was. It wasn't just Norrington that actually smirked when he says the blacksmith line to Will. You can see Gillette in the background doing the same thing. Gillette's always smirking, I think. Yeah, that guy definitely needs a slap <laughs> He's a <down>. smirker. <laughs> Will needs to definitely go to the snappy comeback school so he can come back and then have something for Gillette and for Norrington. Yeah, I agree. If the slap to Will's face or status wasn't enough... He actually then grabs him by the arm like he's a little child. Right? <laughs> yeah. He grabs him forcefully. And he gets all angry. I was thinking, he must be thinking back to when Will was pulled from the ocean. And then again, he saw Will as a little kid. And Elizabeth is a little kid. <laughs> I'm the military man. It's not the time for rash action. That's kind of what he's saying here. Right. And that they do have to do some planning. I can, I can see that. Will is definitely not that kind of person. So I want to bring up that Norrington's telling Will... That he's not the only man here who cares about Elizabeth. So Norrington knows how Will feels about Elizabeth. Well, I think that's true. I think Norrington knows that Will has feelings for her. I don't think he ever thought that Elizabeth would maybe go for him. Because Norrington only thinks about class. Exactly. And that's just the social status fit. And so they may have feelings, but that wasn't the logical choice for Elizabeth to go after Will. Right. So I think that's kind of where it would end up. Elizabeth doesn't always think in that No, way. because, I mean, we're talking about rash action. And so for Norrington, I mean, for him, yeah, this rash action is definitely an understatement. And hit, to him, a rash action would be, well, let me think about it. Should I save Elizabeth as she's falling? Or should I think about it and plan? Gillette, call a planning freaking meeting. I have a, <laughs> you know, I have some scenarios we got to discuss. Elizabeth is about to fall over because of the course of the death. Should I go in and save her right away? Should I jump? I mean, but he did display some rash action he before was Gillette. Gonna does, jump. He was going to jump. Gillette stopped him. Yeah, so there maybe is, it's all Gillette. It could be Gillette's the puppet master. He's holding him back. Yeah, he's he's pulling the strings behind the yeah, scenes. Yeah, maybe. There was rash action there, though, so I guess right? that, there goes that theory. So maybe it's Gillette. He's kind of holding him back and not letting him express his full... You know what it was? What's I'm that? sure Norrington gave Gillette the look because there was other men standing around. Yeah. And he probably gave him the look like, hey, hold me back because I'm about to fight to make <laughs> it look like I'm willing to do it. But you're really not. You've already informed your buddies like, hey, hold me back, but I'm going to pretend to go. It's like, don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, you know, no. He was, he was like, oh, thank God. You know, because if he didn't, he'd be like, Gillette, what the hell? You didn't hold me back yeah. like you were supposed to. <laughs> Seriously, though, Norrington is, like, really frustrated with everything right now. And I think he's taking it on Will. Or take I think he's taking it out on Will. Will showed up at the wrong time. Now he reminds him that Elizabeth is attracted to Will and vice versa. And so I think Norrington is just ready to explode with everything going on here. Well, Norrington's a little upset he didn't get his answer. That's so true. So he's not sure if Elizabeth actually feels the way he feels about her. She reciprocates. I think those we've seen feelings. enough symbolism about that marriage or proposal. Well, yeah. The fork gets blown up. Well, the gallows get destroyed. <laughs> we saw a gallows when they were talking about it. So there's obviously this is a proposal meant to die. Yeah, but he's all been out of shape because of it. And he's going to take it out on the man that she really loves. Yeah, and he's also cuffed by his duties as commodore, and he has that regimented personality and this kind of regimented affection for elizabeth so we've seen that too yeah we were just mentioning that norrington has had at least one kind of episode of having this rash action or at least a thought about it Uh uh-huh but that whole 
thing that you were just mentioning that both of them have feelings for each other and Will wants to run off and just grab a boat and go without planning. Norrington wants to plan how they're going to actually go and almost Elizabeth is kind of a secondary part to it because it's the Port Royal comes first in the response and then Elizabeth would be rescued hopefully because of that. But it's much more of like this subtle e-harmony evidence that Will and Elizabeth are a match here. (laughs) Both are reactionary and rash. Elizabeth is and so is Will. They just fly by that seat of their pants. Mm -hmm. You haven't really seen it more in her action yet, except in the way she's, or I guess you could say action in the way she's talked, because it's like, hey, this is the guy who just saved my life. You know, she's been doing some of those things. She takes the medallion. She basically says to tell Pintel and Rigetti, she asks for parlay to go aboard the ship. So she just does things with that action. And in contrast, we have Norrington, who's regimented and who doesn't often show that rash action. So we see that both Will and Elizabeth are kind of that match and Norrington's the odd man out of this pair. Yes. Unless opposites attract. Opposites do attract. Exactly. Me, awesome. You are... I need a Wilhelm scream here or a pirate R. Really? Yeah. I think I'm the awesome one in this relationship. I said we were moving on. <laughs> That's because you know the truth. <laughs> and I know I know I was saying that the big part of this minute was the burn, the classic 17th century burn, mm-hmm. as we're going to call it. But man, there's something that cropped up here that just cannot be left undone. Where the hell is the guard? Are you telling me the guard that Twig and Keeler killed the night before was the only soldier qualified to guard the prison? That having no one else guarding the jail is preferable to another soldier standing at the door? So nobody else can stand at the door. They kill the guard. Nobody else is going to go guard the jail cell now? Half the prison has been blown open. The only one you have in there is Jack. He couldn't get out... When the prison was bro- busted open, so he, he can't get out anyway. So what difference does it make? So why they have you don't really there to need a guard because there are more people in there. There are five of them, right? Four others, four, yeah. and then Jack. Jack, yeah. Five. So five. Well, if they could have figured something out. I don't. Plus, know. the dogs ran away with the keys. That's true. So I just or the keys have ran away. Yeah, the keys ran away. I, I just think it's a little odd that nobody's guarding the jail. Obviously, there's only one guy on the island that's qualified to guard the jail, and he died. And so now, <laughs> nobody else can guard it. They're all busy. Well, that's what I was they're wondering. Bu- if it's just busy. oversight and all the chaos that they're not They're busy riding about. horses past um, guys passed out on the road. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what <laughs> Or jogging on the beach. That was before like the whole protect and to serve thing of police and, yeah. and service people, yeah. So they're all just busy doing other stuff, and Jack's the only one in there. So, it's, but I was wondering if that was a, I was wondering if that was a symbol though, a hidden symbol in this whole minute. Since Norrington has really failed to attract Elizabeth, is this like some way to show that he cares for her? He's like, I care for you so much, Miss Swan, that I did not even post a guard at the jail so we could focus on getting the black pearl. Oh, I mean, rescue you. That yeah, that's how he would say it. And then as we're in the jail cell, there's a big, another burn. There's like a lot of these slaps of disrespect going on in this minute. We need like a slap sound. (laughs) That reminds me of Chandler from Friends when he's doing the whip sound. Because I can't do it either. Whoopa! Whoopa! (laughs) I mean, Will Turner disrespects Captain Jack Sparrow. Because he runs in, he barges into the jail cell and he says... 
You, Sparrow, I'm in a hurry and I don't have time to go by any formalities. And then Jack's just laying there and he's all, I? Like, (laughs) what do you want? (laughs) Well, exactly. But there is something that comes up in this minute too. And I guess I could just mention part of that now when he's kind of relaying the story about the Black Pearl and where it births and stuff. He says Captain Barbosa and his crew of miscreants. Okay, that's the line. Uh-huh. But he emphasizes Captain like no tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Captain Barbosa Cap- yes. and his crew of miscreants. We'll come back to part of that in a second. But what I'm saying is I think that's Jack's way of saying, hey, it's freaking Captain. If you're a captain of a ship... Or you call yourself captain, you should address him as captain. And so Will comes in and says, you Sparrow. And then he emphasizes captain later on to that extent. I think he was, it was a subtle, it's Captain Jack Sparrow. Mm. I think this is a nod to the running joke of this film, which is when people say Jack Sparrow, he says Captain Jack Sparrow. Uh Or he himself says, it's Captain Jack Sparrow. I'm Captain Jack Sparrow. So he always wants to make a point to add that in there. And because Will didn't, He emphasizes that. So it's a nod to this running joke that's throughout this entire film. Right. Well, he worked to become captain. So he wants to be, it's like you worked for your PhD. You want to be called doctor. Not you, but but other people. I'm a doctor. I just play one on the radio. (laughs) But is it the same? Now, if I were to have gone and stolen my PhD, the diploma, I go and steal a doctorate diploma. Do you still have to call me doctor? 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 Yeah. Doctor, <laughs> no, because you're not real. Jack Sparrow stole a boat. He wasn't. Yeah, he but wasn't commissioned, or maybe he was. He actually, was. We have to, he, he was in the beginning because of the East India Trading Company. Yeah, he he had what was it called? Wicked Winch. The Wicked Winch. Yeah, so he was captain of the Wicked Winch. So I guess that's okay then. So he was See? actually commissioned, oh, but still call to... me Doctor, even though I've stolen a degree. <laughs> no. <laughs> So anyways, back to where I was at when he runs in and says, you Sparrow, does he really think that Jack is just going to give information freely to him? I mean, he already told him during the sword fight that he cheats because he's a pirate. Should he have known? I mean, shouldn't Will have known like, hey, this guy isn't just going to give information to me. That and he's the reason Jack's in jail. Because he wouldn't let him (laughs) leave. That's right. So why would Jack help him? That's true. Exactly. Just out of the kindness of his heart. Why would he? Yeah, I completely forgot about that point of it. <laughs> Will didn't sit there and make him keep fighting. It would have just let him leave. Well, if he wanted to, then none uh-huh. of that would have happened. Right. That's right. So, yeah, but, why would he think that he's just going to give him information freely? I don't know. He said uh, he's hoping. I don't know. Like and Will asked Jack, are you familiar with the Black Pearl? Jack's all, I've heard of it. <laughs> yeah, because he's yeah he's really not going to give any not information. Interested. He's not interested. Well, game. he's obviously he's acting not interested in what Will's got to say here because he's laying on the ground, you know, and all he's doing is kind of moving his one hand while he's talking. He's not even really looking up eh, very little when he says I and when he says Captain. I think he looks up, but you know, other than that, he's just kind of laying there and just not really interested in what's going on. He wants to tell the story of the Black Pearl because Jack's all about the Black Pearl. But he's just not interested in talking to Will. Well, why would you be? He put him in jail. I don't know if he's not interested. I think he's weaving this whole plan. Because you just said, I think, a keystone here for this minute. You said story. He's about this story Uh of the Black Pearl. We see some Captain Jack Sparrow 
character revelations. I mean, maybe not so much revelations, but character traits here. So he knows and he's also aware of this notion of storytelling. And that's also according to Ted and Terry, who are the screenwriters of the film. But I also think it's more than just this notion of storytelling and what that is. I think he knows the power of storytelling. So Captain Jack wants out of jail. Uh huh. And so he starts to make sure that he's going to weave this story that benefits him. And so he's starting this whole idea of, I'm not really interested in what you're saying. I'm going to need to have some leverage to get out of here. So we don't know where it's going to go, but he's not just going to give information freely to him because this is his only bargaining chip at this stage. Right. And plus he needs to weave a story that really tells why Will is going to need Jack. And that's how he's going to be able to get out. When he says, except, and he emphasizes, except. Exactly. By those who already know where it is. Yeah. So, I mean, in this case, he wants out of jail to get on a mission to steal a ship, pursue the Black Pearl, get revenge on the mutinous crew, and then he sails off on the Black Pearl, all happy-go-lucky again. The miscreants. Yeah, the miscreants. We saw this earlier, too, when Jack was relaying a story to Mulroy and Murtaugh, and that's when he was on the Interceptor and was attempting to steal it. He says, and then they made me their chief. And so he was telling a story then. So we see that Jack is really all about these different storytelling. He's a storyteller. Yeah, so he was probably trying to butter them up to do something, and then he could misdirect them and take the Interceptor and get out of there. Instead, we have a woman fall into the ocean, and then that whole thing begins. But actually, maybe it does work out with some of that, because he was making this rapport with them, talking about the Black Pearl, they're remembering him, and all this good stuff, and uh-huh. how Mulroy and Murtaugh are the ones that bring up the Black Pearl at the planning meeting, mm-hmm. and then Will hears Which. it, and then now Will is in the jail talking to Jack. So what's going to be coming? Yeah, so it's, it's all coming to fruition for Jack. The writers acknowledge that there is some exposition that occurred during this Captain Jack Sparrow story about the Black Pearl. And they had to add a line that Captain Barbosa and his crew of miscreants was, you know, part of the Black Pearl because it would be needed later on to establish Will's knowing of Barbosa and who he is. Oh, okay. So apparently Johnny Depp also caught on and approached the writers like, hey, you guys are giving me exposition. So apparently actors don't like to just have these things that it's because it's not natural for people to talk like that. Right. And so they don't want that. They want something more natural. They want to be talking like they would talk, having a real conversation and you wouldn't get into that. And so he ended up going along with the exposition here, even though he called the writers out on it because they ended up saying, hey, it's an even trade because we gave you the word miscreants because he likes to use some of these cool words, these different words. So they did a trade off so that he would do that because they (laughs) otherwise then Will would not necessarily know who Barbosa is later on. And so it would create an awkwardness or a continuity problem. Right. But I think actually Johnny Depp delivered it fairly well. And I don't think it really sounded like exposition too much for me. No, I I think it sounded pretty good. Yeah, because we just mentioned how Jack understands the notion of storytelling and that power of storytelling. And I think that also comes across to the audience because it's like exposition to a lesser degree because Jack's personality really is to tell these colorful tales. And adding that just adds some color to it. It's like he's telling this story. These are the people who were, you know, that I hate and want revenge on because they had, there was a mutiny. And so I think it just works for me. And the way he says captain, you know he's he's not happy about Captain Barbosa and his crew of miscreants. That's right. He's emphasizing here that he's not happy with these people here. It is. I think it's exposition that works because he is telling a story. Right. If he wasn't telling a story or this notion of storytelling, the power of storytelling, I don't it then it would have come off as a little weird. But right. 
because of who his personality is and who he is, I think it works fine. Yeah. And while we're on the storytelling portion of this Jack Sparrow tale, if you want to call it that, he drops the name Isla de Muerta, which is this island of where the Black Pearl, say, came from or they go to. We haven't quite gotten all the details out of that, so we won't spoil it yet. But the location is specified as an island of death in the film's first screenplay draft in which its history is expanded in there. And it says that it's a ship carrying Cortez's treasure ran aground on the island. All but one of its crew are dead. The survivor hid the treasure ashore before dying. Over time, the dark magic of the treasure cursed the island itself. Oh, so yeah, really? Yeah, so there is some stuff that was in the original screenplay draft that is kind of merging over and coming in that we'll see with the cursed treasure and the medallions and all that kind of stuff, yeah. which we don't completely get to. There's a lot of stuff that's really cool behind the scenes with that, but don't even know why I'm bringing it up since we're not going to mention it now until we probably actually get to, if we get there, Isla de Muerta. <laughs> but I thought I would just throw some stuff out. If you are a dinosaur fan, you may remember Isla Muerta as one of the islands known as the Five Deaths, or Las Cinco Muertes, in Jurassic Park franchise. Oh, really? Yeah, so it is one of the islands. Then there's also La Isla de la Muerte, which is a 1967 American sci-fi horror movie and then the ever popular name of an album by british rock band 10 everybody knows who that is right oh yeah there we go <laughs> other than that i don't really have anything so ending for me on isla de muerta is always appropriate i always like to end on that somber death <laughs> the note. island of the dead yeah of the dead exactly who wouldn't want to end there do you have anything else no i'm good for the day all right, I think that does it for us then. We're wishing Banjo a speedy recovery, and thanks everybody for all your patience out there, and we'll be getting all the new shows out, and also appreciate just all the support and the reviews coming in. So we'll be back tomorrow with Minute 44, The Curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Until then, let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. Now get me my grog. I need it tonight. Everybody needs grog. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Have something to say? Then give us a call at 8637-PIRATE. If you like the show, then do us a favor and leave a review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it, matey. You can also contact us at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. We just might feature your questions and comments on future episodes. Visit us online at blackpearlminute.com. You can also find us on facebook.com slash pirates of the Caribbean Minute, twitter.com slash blackpearlmen, and on soundcloud.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean, where we post additional content, have post-episode discussions, and share our favorite show clips. Now see you next time, scallywags. <laughs>